Hey everybody, welcome back to another amazing episode of Biz Dads, episode 19. Closing in on that unbelievable number 20, never thought we'd get there. Got a lot of exciting things coming at you this week. We have got my bad mood and why. Uh, This is your first real world look into the fact that I am annoyed at all things school. Uh, We'll talk about the weekend, things that have happened uh, in our life. Anne's going to give us a great video download to check out. And we'll talk about college football, some interesting things happen in the NFL, Space Jam 2.0, and a lot of other things. We've got a Parenting 101 and a Millennial Minute coming at you this week's Biz Dads. All right, Andres, normally I start with you, but we had to have a little bit of a pre-show meeting here and change the outline for the show. And one of Ann's ideas was that we react to Cardi B's WAP video. Now, for those of you that don't know what WAP is, it's not wireless application protocol, as Andres looked it up or whatever it stands for. It's something completely different. So make sure you check it out in the Urban Dictionary or call Ann. She'll explain it all to you. No. Um, Andres, one thing I learned from this, we probably need to keep a closer eye on our pre-show outlines to yeah, make sure I, these types of things don't uh, don't creep in. Well, I'd, I'd, seen some, I'd seen some news about Cardi B and Megan yeah, the Stallion. Yeah. Megan Stallion. So I don't know the, the artist all that well, but yeah, then Ann mentioned the name of the song and i was like totally not not, not clued in so i went to google first thing that popped up was uh wireless application protocol and that's clearly not what the video was about so that's how lame uh, i am that's right that's your biz dad urban dictionary minute here go look up wap good luck with i that. don't know if you should but you know what? Educated because if you don't, your kids are. Be ahead of the game. I did see that it's number one on the Billboard 100. It's got a following. So, whatever happened to the good old funny names of things? You know, like forgive me for saying this, Andres, but like a dirty Sanchez or those kind of things. Can we talk about that on our podcast? Oh, no. You'll have, Moving you'll have on. To inform me what that. Never what that moving is. on, moving on. Not heard that topic either. Oh, so how was your weekend? You are in uh, beautiful Kansas, in New Kansas. Yes, hometown. Bred, uh, hometown, the Sandate's homegrown. How's it going? Born and raised. Born and raised. It's been good. We we got here on the weekend and we've been here for, you know, four or five days. It's been nice. You know, I'm sure anybody who is listening, who has had the chance to kind of go back home to where you grew up, you get these different, you know, range of emotions when you come back. But it's been just awesome to visit with uh, my mom and dad. And kids started virtual school on Monday, so we got through the first two days of that. Yeah, I mean, growing up in a smaller town, it's about 15,000 people. There is so much drama and there's so much gossip that happens in a small town, which all of us, I'm sure, can relate to. It's just been interesting dinner table conversation the last few nights, just hearing, you know, what's up. And, you know, one thing that I took away from all the stuff that, I've heard about here that's been going on in Newton is just how, I don't want to say divided, but just how much more people are willing to put their lives out on social media than I'm used to, I guess, back in back in Atlanta. I've been going on Facebook the last uh, two or three nights and just reading like posts of different events that have happened around town. And it's been, man, it's been eye-opening. So 
we're heading back tomorrow to Atlanta. It's been a good end of summer trip. Always good to uh, to get back to where I grew up and see the, all the old stomping grounds. That's awesome. Well, and you're driving back tomorrow? Yeah. We got a nice 15-hour drive ahead of us. So plenty of time to think about what's ahead. As I mentioned in the last show, I resigned from my job from the the shop I was with. I'd been there almost probably four and a half years. So I have a lot. Of, I've had a lot of time to really think about you know the next steps and you know process everything that's you know happened over the last four and a half years. Of course, that job brought us back to Atlanta. So it's been a good you know it's been a good week and a half, two weeks uh, all in just to kind of put my thoughts together and get away from just the hustle, the grind for a couple of weeks. And then school started back up, as you know, on Monday. So that thrust us right back into all the COVID, all the drama, which I'm sure we'll spend some time talking about on today's show. Yeah, man. We had um, we had a good weekend. We had baseball tryouts this weekend. We got a night out. Margaret and I went out on a date on uh, Saturday night. Went over to a good steak restaurant over at the Battery. It was cool to see um, all that fun and excitement going on even when the brands are out of town people wearing masks and stuff but it was kind of it was cool to see people getting out and about uh, enjoying the outdoors had a good dinner you know my my in-laws kept the kids for several hours on sunday so we got a chance to do some things around the house i spent the this is the super dad thing this most superest amazingest dad thing i've ever done i deep cleaned my grill i went all in the thing looks brand new i was you know, arm deep in grease remover and, you know, steel pads. That thing looks amazing, man. Burns great. I'm, I'm super dad proud at this moment, uh, which was a good thing. And then Monday morning came. Mm-hmm. Monday morning was the start of virtual school. And I have been pissed off for 48 hours now. Not the teachers. The teachers are amazing. God bless every single one of you out there. I hope you listen to this and I hope you know how amazing you are and how much we appreciate you. But the decision makers who decided to make this all virtual, um, man, I, I find you in a dark alley. We're talking. Um, I'm going to go straight get off my lawn, uh, old man, on you because I, it's not designed for a first grader to sit still for five hours to stare at a screen and to actually engage and not have a roller coaster of emotions from excitement to see their friends to complete, you know, aloofness and daydreaming out the window to not being able to sit still and bouncing all over the screen to pulling out cables and breaking things. Uh, all of those things were a part of my Monday morning. And within the first five minutes, this is no joke within the first five minutes, Margaret Ann and I were looking up private schools because we had had enough. It didn't work. The things, the technology didn't work on time. And again, you can't, I mean, it's up in the air. I mean, you get that many people trying to do something at once. There's no doubt technology is going to fail. So no blame there, but just, I mean, it's just tough, man. It's just a tough environment for a kid to have to have to sit still and learn. And let me tell you something, they're not learning anything. Um, Now my third grader, Ben, he's, He's doing good, and Andrew has is done as best as he can. And my, you know, both of my kids, pretty, I would say they're well behaved, right? I mean, they're well mannered. They're they're pretty well behaved. They have a lot of energy. Yes. They're two very active boys, and that doesn't bode well. So anyway, there's my soapbox. I'm stepping off of it. I'm gonna take a deep breath. 
and I'm going to forget about it and just know that we're going to try to do our best, the best we can every day. Don't we have uh, like Wednesday as like a flex day? So at least you get tomorrow. Yeah, a day where I won't get any work done and um, trenches will stuff. <laughs> yeah. Trenches will take a, a backseat. Some some other activities you'll have to keep the kids engaged in. Right. Um, Twist. Pretty soon I'll have a business to sell you. You can take this business and run with it. I'll sell it to you cheap. <laughs> Let me ask you, Brad, is the um, experience you guys have had in the first couple of days, does it feel a little bit more organized or just about the same as last spring? It's more organized, but I I think that at least in the spring, we could control our own timeline. Basically, we could work with the kids on an an assignment and then let them go run around for a minute and then get them back. So we got all the work done in the spring. We got all the work done, you know, the last two days too, but man, I'll tell you what, it's just, I just kind of show my I don't feel, and this is, this is true insight on me. I don't feel stress and pressure very often. And I really don't allow my emotions to get out of whack when it comes to things that are out of my control, right? Like this is kind of out of my control and, and, and my anxiety, I don't have anxiety normally. I was really the last few days, I was really kind of just anxious and annoyed and emotional about how this whole thing's coming together. Again, no blame on any part of the teachers. They're doing amazing jobs. And God, I couldn't imagine doing that. I don't know, man. I hope this whole thing just gets us back in school sooner rather than later. I'll tell you that. So last spring when we started distance learning and I was working and I was working from home, uh, I was very stressed out. I can remember as I'm listening to you describe the first couple of days, I remember feeling like that. I don't feel like I was able to make as big of an impact on school with my kids as I probably needed to be. And I wouldn't, I'd say I probably tilted more towards work, probably just subconsciously figured, okay, Heidi's got this, you know? And then this year, cause I'm in, you know, not working in between work or whatever. I just don't, I don't have that big cloud over me of like, I need to be in two places at one time. And I can only imagine for working parents, like that's, that's definitely got to be some of your stress is you want to be there for Ben and Andrew, you know, that they need help, but then, you know, you've got a company to run, you've got employees, you've got projects, clients, etc. So I can, I can relate to and empathize with the, the stress you're feeling. Cause for me, the first couple of days, I've just been able to sit with, you know, First day I sat with Renzo and it was kindergarten. And so I kind of knew going in like, okay, these, you know, these kids are going to be super amped up. They're going to be super excited. And what was, what was interesting is all the things that you kind of hear about with learning on computers with Zoom technology, people learning how to use the mute button, people learning how to unmute themselves, all the, that typical stuff was, was for sure had, you know, there's definitely kinks to be worked out and for me it was like as an adult sitting there watching Renzo and watching all these other kids I was thinking to myself this has got to be distracting for them because there's all this noise and you know it's not like a normal classroom where the para pro can kind of walk around and maybe take a couple of kids to the side and work with them it felt like the teachers you know definitely you know had their hands tied a little bit then today Heidi sat with Renzo and she said it went really well and I checked in a couple times and he seemed to be really engaged engaged. I, it just was little stuff. I, I realized that we had to get the right chair for him. You know, I had him in a chair that spun around. It was an adult chair. And I realized like, that's not going to work making just little minor adjustments. And then, and then our internet quality has been spotty. So we've had some of those issues where the third graders have got, gotten my daughter 
they get called on a lot more and there's more interaction and a couple of times her screen's frozen up. So, you know, it's just the kinks. I, I think they both are getting something out of school. Obviously it doesn't, you know, replace being in the classroom. Um, and, you know, being the president of our school's foundation, I know we have spent, the foundation has spent a, a fair amount of money in the first few days and the first couple of weeks of school, just um, supporting the school for additional licenses and software that they need in order to make this thing work um, more efficiently for the teachers. So yeah, it's a, it's a work in process, you know, tomorrow obviously is this kind of flex day and we'll, we'll have to see if the enthusiasm is there come, you know, two or three weeks from now. Um, but the teachers have done a good job for, you know, what, what uh, cards they've been dealt. And so far, at least our, our kids seem to be okay with it, but you know, it's, it, 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 I think for us, it's worked because we've been able to have, you know, one adult sitting with each kid. And obviously that, that's not the circumstances for every, every family. Um, so we, we're probably an outlier. Well, you know, it's, um, it's something to keep a close eye on. I'm sure we're going to talk quite a bit about it here on uh, all these shows coming up. But you know, one of the things that's going to help distract me here is the world of sports and our business. What if I can actually find time to work? But I was proud to see some college athletes stepping up and trying to fight the good fight to get, you know, the teams and the conferences to play. As of today, the SEC has come out with their schedule. They're going to play a 10-game all-conference schedule. The ACC, the Big 12 are all still playing. The Big 10 and the Pac-12 are out. Every other conference seems to have canceled their fall sports. I I get a daily notification on all these different um, conferences that have postponed. But something interesting that I saw, Justin Fields, a homegrown boy, went to my high school, Harrison High School, Go Hoyas, Hoya Hoya Sexa. Justin Fields was a Georgia Bulldog, went up to Ohio State. This was his year, Heisman Trophy, more than likely Heisman Trophy, probably would beat out that you know, terrible kid that plays football over there in uh, Western South Carolina, but he got 252,666 signatures for a petition that he put together to get back on the field. I thought that was a pretty cool, pretty cool thing. I mean, that's the beginning. Like we've talked about of the student athlete, this whole conversation around them taking, you know, more of a position or I guess influence with their voice and and their ability to um, make things happen. My question is with like the University of North Carolina, I saw yesterday cancel classes. Are the university's decisions as to whether or not they're going to hold classes in person, does that have any impact on whether or not those institutions are going to play sports or are they totally separate? North Carolina was was the one, the big one, I think today that, you know, they went completely virtual. They had 300 cases, 239 cases out of, you know, 19,000 students or whatever it was, but they decided that they were going to go all virtual. They are still allowing their athletes to both live on the on-campus and off-campus housing Mm -hmm. and participate in sports. So again, they're going to have access to the care that they need as part of that athletic program. And they're going to still be in that environment where who knows what happens. Um, You know, you have such a random mix. You have the NHL who has had zero positives. Mm -hmm. You've had the NBA who has controlled it fantastically down in the bubble. MLB is kind of a bit all over the place, but still, I mean, in the grand scheme of things, the MLB has been pretty well managed and they're not in a bubble. So we'll have to see what happens. You know, I'm just glad that some of these student athletes are going to have access because I think I talked about it last week and the fact that these student athletes will not have access to the best care, but you know, that's the kind of stuff that they have to, they have to avoid. So I'm glad they're going to be in on campus in the care of the athletes. I wish every student had that ability too, but 
it's one of the benefits of being a you know college athlete, I guess. Do you think that the the Big Ten will actually play football in the spring? I mean, who will they play? I, that's, I, I, I mean, that's the thing is I don't know. I, I don't I, I don't think they play. I think if they cancel the fall, they don't play in the spring. And I think you have a bunch of kids go pro, and it hurts those conferences in the long haul. But um, I don't see how they could play in the spring unless they play divisional, the, the Pac-12, like you know, Pac-12, Pac-12 yeah. Big Ten only, and then you know the max and whatnot. I don't know. Right, right. They have to create something on the fly. I mean, if you're a college football playoff sponsor, for example, right, and you've got like a long-term deal as a college football playoff sponsor, if you're AT&T, I mean, where, where's that negotiation right now? What's AT&T saying to the college football playoff? Well, the good news is brands, I think, are very, very understanding and appreciative of what's happening. And it all depends on how the property handles it. I think if you were to ask marketing executives in these corporations, they would say some are doing it really, really well, and some are doing it very poorly. The challenge I think you have with if you're sitting as a brand, you want to be supportive because no one anticipated this. There's going to be a lot of make good talks. We're talking to brands that are um, in the midst of having a ton of makeup talks, even with MLB and NBA teams who are playing right now, right? But there's a there's a lost value because they they don't have fans in the stands, et cetera, et cetera, reduced games, all of that. Margaret Ann's work was impacted and what they broadcast for Major League Baseball playoffs because there was a lot of make goods that the broadcasting partners had to do to get ESPN to cover, you know, some games that they lost during the regular season. So everybody's impacted. I think there will be a lot of make goods that come out of that. I, I can tell you there's no decision, no new decisions really being made for the most part. You have some brands who are starting to have kind of started the car back up and are starting to move forward. But for the most part, I think the consensus is still people are waiting and seeing what happens or they're so inundated with those make good conversations that they're unable to really focus on anything else. And it's all going to come with an absolute, you know, the floodgates will open here and things do get back to normal and who knows what can be salvaged and who ends up doing what I can tell you, it's all over the map right now, based on who we're talking to on, on how people are handling it. And, you know, we're putting language in every new contract we, we put together, especially on our naming rights business, the new language that kind of provides scale, you know, results or make good slash funding based on what happens. Number of attendees, how long are they out? How many games are being played, et cetera, et cetera. All that stuff is being considered now in new agreements. So that's part of the when, part of the challenge. When you say make goods, that's basically just what it sounds like. I mean, it's it's the two sides coming coming together on some kind of a makeup, uh, a resolution because exactly. of value that was lost. Yeah. On one uh, side. Thanks for asking that because it is it is exactly that. I had a hundred television spots that were lost because you didn't play, you know a hundred games. Now, what does that mean? Well, here's how we're going to make good for it. And and the good thing is, I think they're looking at a, a mixed use of, of assets, assets being different mediums in which they're branding sponsorship, media, digital, all those different types of things. Some hospitality that was obviously lost can't be recovered at this point, but they'll work towards replacing that in the future. So everybody's trying their best, you know, trying to work together. Speaking of one uh, big college football sponsor is the Home Depot, hometown company in Atlanta, right around the corner from both of yeah. us. All their second quarter earnings came out, just an absolute blowout quarter. No surprise for anybody listening or that's done a home improvement project during COVID. I mean, the stores have just been totally slammed. There's been some really good articles that have come out over the last um, couple of days. And if you look at the 
you know, the comments from the CEO of Home Depot is kind of ties back to what you just said about um, demand and kind of where things are going and how to project. And it's just such a fuzzy ball. It's uh, it's not as clear. They can't use their old forecasts. And he said everything that they're looking at, I'm speaking of the Home Depot CEO, everything that they're looking at right now is just all focused on consumer demand and trying to understand where's the demand going to be from the consumer over the next, you know, several quarters, several years. I know we've done several home improvement projects over COVID. You know, we did uh, work in our backyard. We did some work inside. And, you know, we were at a home home improvement store or a local hardware store, you know, way more than you were previously just because you had more time on your hands. So, yeah. And I know that they've been a big sponsor. So it's it, it'll be interesting to see how companies like that who have benefited, not know that they necessarily were hoping to, but they benefited as a result of COVID, and there's just a, probably a lot more favorability in terms of looking at Home Depot. Their stores have been open. They've been you know, relatively well-stocked. Oh, there are certain industries that are absolutely crushing it, and yeah. Home Depot, Home yeah, Improvement is one really of them. Good. UPS is another. We're actually working with Home Depot on something right now. I, I hope we can get it done, but I, I will tell you this. There are certain industries, and, and particularly on the sports entertainment side, that are absolutely crushing as well. We represent uh, Major League Fishing, MLF which oh, is yeah. uh, going through a rebrand that's basically like the big five leagues, six leagues of fishing are all under this one MLF owned by Cronky Sports and Entertainment. They own 50% of it. And then you know, the anglers themselves actually own the other 50%, which is really cool because they're all invested in the success. Fishing as an industry is up 400% license you know, the, the, the acquisition or, or the, 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 the getting of, uh, fishing license, the, the products, the rods, the reels, the, the tackle, all of that, absolutely killing it. Um, which lends, you know, good news for us because we're able to go talk to brands and say, look, here's, here's what we're doing. And, you know, because people of all shapes, sizes, you know, races, creeds, colors, all that stuff are coming together to go, go fishing. They're taking their kids out. They're getting out in the water. You can socially distance. The television content is really, really captivating because they've actually flipped the whole thing on its head. It's just really kind of fun to watch those type of things come out of this. It'll do really well for that industry. But you got to get brands who are willing to take a risk on something that has been previously perceived as, you know, white guys on boats, which it, it really has changed and evolved, which is, is good to see. It looks more like the everyday anglers that are out there fishing recreationally yeah i know we've talked about our dad fishing stories and and uh i remember your stories about memorial day weekend when you spent more time clearing line and untangling line uh, than actually fishing so we've done patience renzo renzo has done a lot of fishing during our you know two-week trip we we spent a lot of time with lines in the water in missouri and he caught uh, I mean, dozens and dozens of fish. I mean, bass, catfish. We didn't catch any walleye, but we caught a ton of sun perch. And then, you know, we came down to Kansas and fished again, and he caught more fish. And one of the coolest things that we did is my dad let him go through his tackle box. And so, you know, my dad's got, you know, what's 60, 70 years worth of tackle that he's just accumulated. And he's a garage sale guy, auction guy. So he's just got way more tackle than anybody could ever use. So he let Renzo, well, the two of them actually is kind of a cool, you know, grand grandson, grandfather kind of opportunity. They went through his tackle box and he built Renzo, um, you know, who's all of 
six years old, built a tackle box for him. And then we came back to my mom's house and I went through my basement. You know, I dug up all my old toys from when I was, you know, six, seven, eight years old that my mom had saved. And so those kids, the kids have been playing with those for the last week. And then I found my old original tackle box from when I was six or seven years old and, and gave that to Renzo. So he's got a kick out of That's being able awesome. to go back. And then, and then on a totally different subject, which you'll appreciate, my mom has saved boxes and boxes of pictures from the time I was a baby all the way up until, you know, probably through college. And so one night, one night we sat through, you're in a lot of them. <laughs> there uh, are so many pictures that just, of course, bring back tons of memories. So it's, it's been definitely a trip down memory lane. But uh, no, I, I'm with you on the fishing thing. Like, that's something that I think Renzo and I... And Frankie, uh, Maximo is still a little young for it, but I think that's something that we're going to try to do more of when we get back to Atlanta. So cool. Well, I'm glad you guys are getting that time together. Really, really, really impressive that you guys made another trip back out there to, to get that time in. Uh, you know, a couple other impressive things that are happening in our world right now, in the world of sports. Um, I don't know if you saw, but the Washington Football Club, uh, formerly known as the Washington Redskins, uh, hired Jason Wright, the very first team president, African-American team president. Had a stint with the Falcons here. You know, really impressive guy. I'd love to see that, you know, that that they've made that hire. And I think it's a sign of good things to come. So keep a close eye on what Jason Wright does with the with the Washington Football Club. I mean, it's it's a huge move. It's not something you expected out of Dan Snyder and that ownership group, but there's a lot going on there too. Probably more news coming out of that organization in the near future. But you know, I just just a good a feel good component, something nice to see, um, and I know he'll do a great yeah, job. Yeah, I mean, it's I mean, yeah, it's the it's a it's definitely a huge move. I mean, the NHL earlier this spring got its first. I think we talked about this on one show. It's somebody that we're working on to get in as a guest, but I think the Phoenix Coyotes named um, a new CEO. They have a new ownership group, uh, and I think they named a new CEO uh, a few months back, and I think it's the first Hispanic CEO yeah, of a major professional organization and now this move with the with the washington um the washington football club is that the name yeah the washington football club i think they're going to come out with a mascot here hopefully soon but that's what they're calling themselves for now to get rid of the um the redskins name which people did not like um right let me ask you a question though about about nfl um you know a lot about about the league and how it works and how decisions are made obviously you've got an ownership team sometimes it's an individual like an arthur blank and sometimes you know, somebody like an Arthur Brank may carve out shares in the club organization to sell or to offer others to come into the club, right? Yeah. But there's like a, a majority owner and then you have, but then there's usually an executive team that actually make the business decisions, right? So there's like a president, maybe a CEO, right? But then there's the personnel side, like the general manager and all. So is Jason Wright's move, is he going to be involved on the personnel side of the football club and the business side or is he coming in because he's a mckinsey consultant been involved in in lots and lots of big organizations restructurings etc and the organization is going through a lot like you said but is he going to be more on the business side of things in the front office or is he going to be on the yeah. player side yeah so you know uh, a lot of those organizations have a whole business unit a president of the business side which is Everything related to you know external affairs, the internal components of it, but are not are not directly touching the the personnel piece. I think a president of an NFL team in most instances has their hands in just about everything, but lean much more towards the 
business side of things. That's where their focus lies. Your general manager is is most of the time your personnel guru that's responsible for all of that, working closely with coaches, the head coach, the scouts, et cetera. I think Jason will be much more involved at the Redskins side in, in just about everything, but probably needs to work on everything from the image to the rebrand to the relationships with ownership to you know, those partners, all of that, you know, it's, it's like our Atlanta Braves here have, you know, basically two presidents, one that's over all things business, one that's over all things operation. Um, and then they have somebody who's over all things sports. So you may have as many as three different, uh, heads of an organization that report to ownership on different, different elements, but each one, just like businesses, you know, there's some folks have COO, some have, you know, CFO, some have somebody that kind of COO controls finance, all of that. It's just like that in the sports organization world. I think one of the things that you got to keep a close eye on is when there's too much power in one position, particularly on the personnel side, you see that a lot in sports where the president of the team becomes the general manager and becomes ultimately the, the, the media face and the coach and all of that, the Phil Jackson Knicks issue where you can't ever find a coach that's going to stay there for the long haul and all of those types of things. So it's, um, you know, it's one of those things that, uh, yeah, that would be, that, yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I, I think for a, more of a casual sports fan, just seeing how some organizations seem to just be able to plug a new coach in to quote unquote, the system and continue to have success. And then you see other organizations, you know, that go these years and years without, you know, making the playoffs. And just understanding what dynamics, and of course it's different across leagues, but what makes some organizations work better than others. You know, because from a casual fan perspective, you think more about just the players and who are they signing and who are they drafting. But there's clearly a whole bunch of other stakeholders and a whole bunch of other considerations that go into it um, that I would assume the business side of things have to get involved in. And that probably, you know, then flows all the way up to the ownership and is the ownership willing to spend the money and invest in everything that's that's required today? So, yeah, definitely a story to to keep watching because they've got a new football coach in Ron Rivera and now a new yeah. uh, executive in in uh, Jason Wright. So, and a new new name and you know who knows maybe more new ownership to come. That's right. Well, a couple of quick things too to hit on. Uh, I found interesting this week. Uh, the hot mic saga continues in pro sports. I don't know if you've seen a couple of these guys, especially in Major League Baseball, having these mics on and 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 yelling f bombs here and there, talking like they would normally talk, which is all fine. But uh, you know, something you got to keep a close eye on as it relates to television broadcast and who's got the hot mic on. There, there's got to be a way to to avoid that, but it doesn't seem like they figured it out yet. Hey, I got a question for you. You did a lot of little league baseball over the last uh, six months. Is there ever a hot mic on a coach or is there some code of conduct that the coach has to uh, sign a document saying they won't use profanity? Cause I remember watching a documentary. No, it was actually a podcast from Michael Lewis, uh, the, the famous author behind Moneyball and a number of other really popular books. And one of the segments he did on was coaching. And it, it was fascinating to hear the and kind of eye-opening to hear the language that the softball coach for his like 13 or 14 year old um, girls all-star softball team used with the girls in you know huddles and stuff so I'm curious what 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 uh, I mean Ben's eight so what's the language like 
Is there ever a hot mic issue there? It's a great question, and, and not any that I've experienced. We've been pretty blessed with great coaches who understand and who are very, very tough and direct, but don't use language to try to make a make an impact. Yeah. We've been really, really blessed there. I did hear a really terrible story the other day, though, about a, a 12U, I think it was a 12U team, where one of the coaches from the opposing team, actually a female coach, with one of these organizations where it's the coaches are employees, they are literally hired yeah. to coach these teams, pointed out the other dugout and screamed at them to shut the f up. Um, when you know, and the parents went nuts, and it became this whole you know social media fight. And, and I mean, I couldn't imagine how I would react if I heard a coach say that because again, it's still you have to, even with my kids. Here's a parenting 101 for you before we have the actual parenting 101. I talk to my kids a lot about the fact that there are adult words and there are, you know, kids words and certain things can't be said. I'm not going to be able to control where they hear someone say ass or shit or anything, but I am going to be able to at least let them know that they can't use those words and it's inappropriate for them to use those words. And even adults shouldn't be using the words if you you know, you don't have to, I, I, I think that's something that you would want to help control with your kids, but where you can eliminate it, you absolutely must. Um, my kids have been mm-hmm. in the car with me when I've cussed at somebody for cutting me off or whatever, but you know, I, I'm, I'm quick to fix it and to apologize. And I, and I would not expect that from our coaches either. Yeah. I was asking and I'm curious just because I know Ben's playing pretty competitive baseball and Renzo's, um, he's going to play soccer this fall just recreational league and stuff. And so I don't see it. I'm with you. I don't see it as a big issue in the, uh, in the, in the younger ages, but I, I would imagine somewhere around middle school it starts to get more serious. It reminds me of a story when I was probably seventh, eighth grade, we, we were playing, uh, we were playing a summer baseball uh, league and we were beating a team pretty good. And uh, I, I hit a triple um and I ended up on third base and the third base coach and I were just, you know, talking and everything. And it was, you know, getting ready for the next batter up. And the head coach, you know, right there on third base of the opposing team yells something like some derogatory comment, like, you know, stop smiling. I'm going to come out there and kick your ass. And the head coach, I mean, wow. my dad's a head coach and he's in the dugout. And so he didn't hear this comment. Well, I, and the assistant coach, like, look over at this guy and, you know, the assistant coach takes the high road. And he's like, hey, that's not appropriate, you know, da, 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 da. And the guy just is really angry and agitated. I mean, the, the game had gone out of hand. So I come back in the dugout and I, I just said casually, like, you wouldn't believe what this head coach said. Dude, you want to talk about a dad, like, tiger, tiger, like, dad coming out. It was... um one of those moments that like when you're little, like you just remember and uh, fortunately cooler heads prevailed, but um, it, if not for a couple of, you know, uh, level headed, level thinking dads stepping in between, it would have been, you know, kind of like what we saw with the Oakland, uh, Oakland A's ball player the other day <laughs> that got one oh, of the yeah. six games suspension for, for reacting to, to some, yeah, reacting to something that was said out of the dugout. Yeah. It's, you know, I, I, I can tell you, I, I can see where some of those things get heated. We've, we've had several near, you know, near dangerous, uh, situations where there's been some snippiness back and forth and cooler heads prevail. You gotta be, you gotta be educated. You gotta be level-headed to get through all that kind of stuff. But man, I, 
you know, I don't ever want to be the result on, on the other end of some YouTube video of, you know, two dads fighting over an eight, eight year old baseball game. So uh, hopefully that's not a, a leading topic for a biz dads one day about how I got in a fight at a baseball field yeah. to avoid that. Yeah, fortunately, the the worst one that ever happened, there was no, this was all pre-cell phones, and I'll I'll share it with everybody in a future episode, but it was, uh, it did, it did turn really, really ugly. Um, some fans uh, in, for both teams got into it. We were down on the court playing, and all hell broke loose up in the stands, and the cops came, and it was bad, so... Unfortunately, I think, you know, with youth sports, for the most part, you, you don't hear about these incidents. But every once in a while, I mean, yeah, you, you turn on TV or you go on the Internet and it's just damn. You know, it's, usually da- it's usually dads and they're usually like they've totally lost their cool. In this case, this was moms. This was dads. This was bags. This was purses. Newton, Kansas. Just it was just getting crazy. I'm telling you, when I come back home, man, it just stirs up all these old thoughts and things that I saw and experienced growing up, it was all good. It's like you fly over uh, States. You guys are supposed to be low blood pressure, <laughs> real happy go lucky people. No, um, no, no. You know, it's intense. I, uh, <laughs> I love it. Well, just a couple quick things too, to hit on bringing back some memories, talking about bringing back some memories, uh, LeBron teasing his space jam return or his space jam episode. You know, you had MJ, probably one of the most iconic professional uh, athlete movie appearances of all time, Michael Jordan in Space Jam. Now you've got LeBron James trying to fill those shoes. You talked about how, what, the end of our last show, athletes that you felt had really stepped up and shown a lot of leadership. And you also talked about how LeBron moving west was a real intentional move, right? For With sure. The media, the media empire construction of that is underway. I, I haven't seen a lot on this. Is this going to be another movie or is this going to be a uh, kind of an no, I think it's short? Another, I think it's a reboot of... Um, of space jam okay so cool. it's gonna Feature be a, you know, it's his uh he i will say this lebron have you ever seen the movie train wreck it if no. you haven't seen it it's a must see it's bill bill Hader, amy schumer and lebron james plays bill Hader's best friend as lebron james uh, he is funny as hell is it's a really? funny movie it's kind of a little raunchy but don't watch it with your kids but it's a funny movie um, just to watch randomly and, uh, and LeBron is in it and he's really, he does a really, really good job. So he's got his acting chops already. We'll see how he does as the leading man for space jam 2.0 or whatever. Cool. They're call it. I'm looking, oh, I'm sure my kids will be all over it when it comes out. And then some really good news too. We saw they'd come out with the, the list of the highest paid female athletes and you don't think about it, but all but one were tennis stars globally naomi yeah. osaka was was first at 37.4 million um and put this in here and i bet you that she really wishes she had worked more on that forehand and backhand when she was a little twist so yeah. she could be making these kind of endorsement dollars serena was two and then you got ashley barty there's a huge dip between one two and then the rest you have osaka yeah. at 37 and a half serena at 36 and then it goes all the way down to 13.1 10.9 for Simona Halep. And then you've got a bunch of, you know, uh, other foreign. And the only one that cracked the top 10 was Alex Morgan, U.S. soccer sensation Alex Morgan at 4.6. And only 400,000 of that was from her actual salary. So she's making $4.2 million in, uh, in endorsement deals, which is awesome for her. Yeah, I had no idea those were numbers. So I had to put that in there because I was shocked by that. 
first of all, I thought Serena would be first. So I think tennis is one of the one of the leagues that has actually made the prize money for men and women's uh, champions equal. Uh, whereas a lot of other sports, you know, we talked about soccer and the U.S. women's national team, but I know Naomi has just, I mean, come on the scene over the last four or five years. She's just been phenomenal. She's been dealing with some injuries here lately, but I mean, Serena has been at the top of that list for, for years, and Sharapova was at the top of that list for years, never really won much on the court. I saw that list. That's impressive. Yeah, really impressive. Good for them. Well, hey, let's jump into this week's Parenting 101. So if you haven't got the sense already from the first part of the show homeschooling has been quite an adventure so here's my parenting 101 tip for the week how do you homeschool your children my response is you don't (laughs) and that's this week's parenting 101 (laughs) wow that's funny all right andres um let's bring things back to the next generation a little bit here for this week's millennial minute twist take it away So I really just wanted to talk about, I know y'all are dealing with all your kids in homeschool, but I can't imagine if I was in high school or college having to deal with all this. So I guess college students nowadays are like, I don't even want to go to class because it's a waste. You can't see your friends. Learning is tough. So people are taking gap years to do internships. And there's a ton of company, tech companies that are going, they know this. And so they're trying to get new programs and get people on board so they can get young workers during this time because they know kids don't want to go to school right now which I know my both my sisters thought about it and they have a ton of friends that took gap years just get any of your college years cut short I think is so sad I would solve so prayers to them so question are the companies that are doing the hiring most like the high-tech programming skills etc yeah it seems like it. Got it. You know, I think you will see a unique result of all of this where the the focus on career tech, STEAM education and all those kind of things and the higher cost of education. You see all these parents that are just livid. Their kids are virtual schooling and they're still paying full, full uh, fees. But I bet you have a lot more people that are not going to be going to, to university, to college uh, to get that degree and go find a high paying job. I know, you know there's companies out there like Delta who are looking for, you know, mechanical engineers and whatnot. And um, they're paying top dollar for that kind of stuff. I remember growing up, everybody said, you know, gosh, if you could just learn a foreign language, I feel like the new foreign language for young professionals is programming language. Yeah. Like if, if you can do whatever C++, Python and program, I think that creates probably as many, if not more career options for somebody now than being able to speak Spanish or, you know, Chinese or French. Not, yeah, man. You know? Well, I mean, look, we're, I think I've told you we're, our, we're, my kids are in the, the dual language immersion program at school, which is amazing, but they, I'm with you. I totally agree. They need to learn how to, to, to code and how to have that computer programming language as well. That's probably the, the only silver lining of this whole thing is they are trying to get these kids to operate these computers, switch between programs and all of that themselves. And I can see the development starting to happen in the understanding that Andrew has and Ben definitely has on how to operate. Uh, uh, they're working off laptops. So I totally agree with you. I think uh, you know foreign languages are still going to be very, very important. But there is no doubt that the understanding of, of, of computer code and, and computer programming is is going to be great. So another great value add. And get dual monitors for 
uh, kids above about third grade for homeschooling because if that's one thing I've noticed with Frankie, she's jostling between two or three different applications, you know, and using one of these little 12, 13 inch Chromebooks, sometimes they're smaller. It's, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's almost, it's amazing how they're having to learn how to multitask at three years old. We got Frankie her first Gmail account this week. I mean, just how, I mean, I didn't get an email account until I was like 18. So shit's just oh, yeah. happening much faster. Totally. Good millennial minute went- twist. But let's jump into this week's final four. The NBA playoffs are beginning. They are mostly COVID free. There's been some good games out there. Talk to us a little bit about your favorite NBA player of all time. I'm going to start. My favorite NBA player of all time was the money man, Mark Price from downtown, your Cleveland Cavaliers. Google him. Look him up. Andres? Mine's boring. I mean, we, we spent a lot of time early on in our podcast and during the last dance. I mean, I was a huge Jordan fan, but I mean, who wasn't? I would say uh, so Jordan for me. Twist, who's your favorite nba -er? I don't know a ton about NBA, but all I know is that Steph Curry, I just feel like he's always making headlines for doing charitable things and being a strong leader. And he's a big, great family dad. Hey, good family all around. The Currys are kind of like NBA royalty, right? So good one. You know what else I give uh, Steph Curry incredible credit for? He has created one of my favorite television shows on ABC called Holy Moly. If you haven't watched it, tune in. Holy Moly. Extreme (laughs) putt-putt. That can make it on TV. Someday soon there'll be BizDads TV for your OTT <laughs> platforms. I know it. Exactly. And then rest in peace, Kobe number four. Let's just give it up to the Mamba, the Mamba mentality. Yeah. Yeah. Man had a roller coaster of a career, but rest in peace, Mamba. All right, man. Well, hey, that's a great, a great show for this week. Sorry for all of the emotion and for yelling in your ears out there. Hopefully your volume was down as you're listening to the BizDads. We'll come back with a softer tone all of next week. Biz dads, I am no longer angry. I needed this for the week. Woo. Thank you for that. Andres, have a safe trip home. Make sure That's you have what we're here for. changes of underwear and uh, bottles to pee in. This is the Biz Dads. We're out. <laughs>